0: next guest is Representative Chris Gorsick, candidate for state senator representing the 25th District. Chris is running as a Democrat with the Working Families Party. Representative Gorsick has worked as an educator and a police officer and currently works at Mount Hood Community College and as a state legislator. Thank you for joining us this morning, Representative Gorsick.
1: Well, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks uh, for inviting me
0: it has been a few months since we since we last spoke so much has happened what have oh, you yeah. learned about your district over the last several months
1: well you know um we have uh, continued to campaign despite covid but we're doing everything uh remotely so we've done lots of uh, voter phone calls um, lots of outreach and uh, what we're finding is that um there's uh, there's a number of things on uh, voters' minds in East County. Um, certainly, uh, COVID is one of those, and all of its implications uh, for health and uh, well-being, as well as for the education challenges. Um, I myself, uh, teaching at Mount Hood, have had to move all of my classes to online status. Mm-hmm. Um, other uh, others of my colleagues are doing some Zoom and. Online, so it's uh, it's a pretty substantial challenge, Um, and uh, and so uh, we're just uh, pushing through and doing uh, everything we can to uh, reach out to our voters and uh, um, hopefully allay some of their concerns and fears about uh, the current uh, status of things.
0: Yeah. How would um, how
1: in East County?
0: Yeah. How would you characterize the the new needs that you're seeing because of COVID, because of wildfires in your mm-hmm. district?
1: Well, we were fortunate. Um, you know, during the um, the Eagle Creek fire, we had some threat to the eastern side of my district. Uh, we never actually had to evacuate, but um, the main thing for us this time around was all of the smoke, mm-hmm. which of course. Uh, is a serious problem um especially for people with asthma and other um breathing difficulties so for us the uh, the uh, primary thing has been um you know uh trying to uh, find ways in the legislature to assist people that were impacted directly by those fires and uh, also trying to make sure that uh, the resources are there uh for their recovery so uh, in that respect, we've had the the more indirect impacts from the fires in uh, district twenty five
0: and as you think about the next legislative session, are there any new priorities or legislation that you'll be pushing in order to connect resources to the community?
1: well, th- I was very pleased to see uh, i'm I do not serve uh, on the uh, emergency board but I was mm-hmm. very uh, pleased to see um, that a uh, uh, package of money is being um, moved out to assist with the housing uh, for people that have been affected in those wildfire areas. Um, As you well know, we have some citizens in those towns that have been completely, the towns have been destroyed and completely uh, forced into a homeless status, so it's very good to see that, and I am sure that we will continue um, in the 21 session to uh, work on other issues there, uh, and I'm hopeful that a um, special session bill that passed, um, that was a uh, huge uh, kind of collaboration between environmentalists and timber interests um, about forest practices, will start to help with uh, with some of those issues uh, going forward in the in the longer term. Mm
0: you just spoke to the the package that went through the emergency board just last week this week. There was another package that did not go through for those who have um, who are experiencing houselessness or living outside because of covid or during the times of covid. Any reflections on that why why the difference between approving housing for those impacted by wildfires but not who are living outside?
1: Well, you know the the uh the information that i've seen was that there were some concerns by people on the emergency board some of the uh, senators and representatives that um, that the plan for the covid uh, relief was not uh, as well developed mm. um, i don't know i wasn't i wasn't present uh, in in monitoring that at the time it, it uh, was being discussed but i do know that uh, we need to continue working on that because there's still a considerable amount of Concern over people who have been forced um, into homeless situations because of COVID. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be something that we will definitely uh, want to tackle in the 21 session. I know that I saw um, a piece that came out from uh, the Speaker of the House, and she was definitely um, indicating her disappointment. And I, you know, she's a big housing uh, advocate, so I'm sure that we will be uh, bringing that back up in uh, in the winter.
0: Yeah, that twenty one session, twenty twenty one session is bound to be jam packed with all kinds of priorities. Of course, public safety and policing is an issue that has become front and center in communities since we last spoke. What are what are your reflections and priorities around policing as as a former police officer, um, as you look at the twenty one session?
1: Well, uh, first off, um, I think that uh, the uh, the criminal justice reforms that have been brought forward um, already and passed in uh, well, a couple of different special sessions were very important um, in kind of laying the groundwork. Um, but I know that the um, the committee dealing with that will continue to operate, and it's a it's a very important thing for us to continue working on. Um, I was. Uh, in law enforcement as a police explorer and a reserve police officer in the 70s. And then I was a full-time officer in the 1980s, um, 82, the end of 87. Uh, and at that time, we had, um, you know, a less militarized sort of look to law enforcement. Um, and so I I think that we need to uh, move back to that sort of uh, position. Uh, I'm a big advocate of community policing, which is something that uh, was actually started back in the eighties. If you think about people like, uh, former mayor and police chief, Tom Potter, as an example, um, and, uh, uh, Derek Foxworth, who was police chief. Um, so, uh, it's, it's an important thing for us to, uh, to get back to, uh, where the idea is that the police and the, and the citizenry work together, uh, to solve problems. And one of the things that, uh, I think is so important with all of that is the need for dialogue. And one of the things that I've been working on with uh, folks like Commissioner uh, Lori Stegman out in East County and the sheriff and others is we've been uh, involved in discussions with activists that are concerned about the police uh, and with law enforcement themselves and everybody else uh, in between that's uh, so concerned about um, what's been going on, for instance, with um, the police responses around the country and certainly in Portland, uh, I'm hopeful, and it appears to be the case, that uh, that dialogue is something that is um, making uh, making the situation, I think, less explosive in East Multnomah County, and certainly we want to um, continue working on that. Um, the other thing is, I teach uh, law enforcement, it's one of the things that criminal justice Uh, in general uh, at Mount Hood. And so all of my experience and that uh, teaching and my academic training uh, really points to the need for collaboration. Um, It doesn't mean uh, that we accept uh, uh, bad acts by the police. Uh, What we do is we have to uh, hold them um, accountable if they're involved in that. But we also have to work with the police and I have to tell you, uh, in my time in law enforcement and in my time um, in uh, on committees like the Judiciary Committee, I've had a lot of interaction with law enforcement, and uh, there are a lot of officers that are still out there doing a good job, and uh, they need our support. Um, but we have to hold those that are not doing what they should do accountable.
0: Mm. As you describe it, it feels it feels quote unquote easy dialogue, collaboration, Funny. working together. But we're not we're not uh, seeing movement at least maybe more so in in the city of Portland. What are your uh, thoughts on barriers to change? Barriers to getting back to that community policing model, or do you see it as realistic and we're on the path and we're going to get there?
1: Well, I, I, the one nice thing is. Um, that there's been a lot of uh, study and there's been a lot of departments that have been involved in different aspects of it. So mm-hmm. it's not something that has to be, you know, created out of whole cloth. Um, the uh, the patterns are there. However, um, as most of us know, whenever we're working in a particular organization um, and we're asked to make substantial changes, Um, We do have some folks that will embrace it And we have some folks that will not And I think the dialogue part comes in uh, As being very, very important In remembering that it's not just about changing laws That force the police to do certain things It's about also bringing the police along Mm. So that um, they embrace those changes Changing the culture of organizations Is very, very important And one of the things that we know is that that sort of change begins not just with dialogue, but also with the highest levels of an organization's uh, structure um, saying, yes, this is what we do. And, you know, we're not going to uh, back away from our responsibilities, but it has to be something that comes from the very top and then is um, embraced by the whole department. It can't simply be Um, you know, well, we think we should do this from, like, the chief or the uh, the police commissioner. It has to be something that we are fully invested. um, And and we're fully invested in working with the officers to bring about these changes Mm -hmm. so that um, the officers have some inspiration to actually be involved in the change. Um, I've seen too many instances in my own career where um, when that didn't happen, um, it's very easy to go, well, you know, this is the... The flavor of the month, and it'll pass. Um, And if it's not reinforced by um, the administration, um, Mm -hmm. really, not that much, not that much changes.
0: Mm. Now, you've spoken to some of the local work that is happening in East County. Also, spoken a little bit about the state legislature and the role that they might play. I think as a community member, sometimes it's difficult to know where change happens, whether it is at that sort of micro local level across literally across the table versus what needs to happen at the state level. And to speak to the latter, what what should the state priorities be around criminal justice reform as we look forward into upcoming sessions?
1: Well, I think the priority and and I'm I'm certain that the committee uh, working on police accountability and transparency is, is very aware of this. The, um, the priority has to be that we're going to change things. Mm. And the priority has to be that we're going to see a situation develop where everybody is treated the same. Um, and not just by the police, but by the whole criminal justice system. Um Back in the '90s, I think it was the Department of Justice did a study uh, about the treatment of people of color uh, all throughout the criminal justice system, and the study showed um, that they that group was going to was always m- more mistreated um, by the system uh, than their um, Caucasian counterparts, and I really haven't seen much evidence uh, as far as the whole system is concerned that we've substantially changed that. That Mm -hmm. has to be a priority. Um, Remember, we have some very high ideals. It doesn't unfortunately mean we've achieved them yet, but the idea of equal protection under the law is extremely important. And the fact that um, you're a particular race or ethnicity or class level is not supposed to have anything to do with that. We are simply, I mean, I know it sounds simplistic, but we are supposed to treat everybody the same. And so the more we work on uh, getting rid of uh, some of those uh, profiling issues and getting rid of some of the disparities uh, in terms of um, you know, criminal justice in general, uh, I think the better it will be. But we have to really take it seriously mm-hmm. uh, and work very hard to, to change things as we, uh, as we discover uh, some of the problems in the system. They're they're definitely there, and uh, we can't turn a blind eye to those.
0: Mm. Thank you for that. There's one week to go in this election. How can our listeners best support your campaign and your work?
1: Well, um, anybody that is uh, interested in volunteering, um, right now we have, not surprisingly, a a big um, uh, effort going towards uh, getting people uh, inspired to vote and hopefully to vote for for uh, my campaign. Um, so uh, contacting uh, our folks uh, at uh, um, uh, at the uh, campaign office really helps if if people can volunteer and make phone calls. Um, that's that's going to be probably our major push here in this this last week.
0: Excellent, Chris Gorsick. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.
1: Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Have a good day.
0: You too.